morning's reading is taken from John chapter 3, starting at verse 1, Jesus teaches Nicodemus. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for you could not perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with you. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. How can anyone be born in old age? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the word of the Lord. about seeing the kingdom. Um, 
Seeing what God is doing, Richard is asked, what do you see God doing? And about working with God, partnering with God, Beulah, partnering with God. Look at that. But the chapter begins by telling us that there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, who came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Now I wonder what image springs up in your mind when you hear the word Pharisee. Here was a Pharisee. Perhaps you're thinking, he's a proud man. Very proud of his own law-keeping and everything he does. Like the Pharisee in Jesus' parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector of prayer, Lord, I thank you I'm not like other men. I tithe everything, you know, very detailed things, mint and gum, and uh, I'm not like that man over there. Or perhaps you think, Pharisee, that means a hypocrite. Jesus called them hypocrites. He said, in his picture language, you wash the outside of the cup, but inside it's full of all sorts of horrible things. That's you. <coughs> but all of these comments, this description of the Pharisees, comes out of Jesus' controversy with the Jewish leaders. They were attacking his ministry. And Jesus is quite clear about what he thinks about that. But it does not alone give us a clear picture of who the Pharisees were. Who were the Pharisees? They were a group that had been around for about 200 years by the time Jesus was ministering. And they were scholars of the Old Testament scriptures. They believed the scriptures had come from God. And in particular, the law given by Moses. And they knew that God's people had not always been obedient to the law. God had established his kingdom amongst his people Israel, with his anointed king over them in the time of David and Solomon, a glorious kingdom, the manifestation of God's kingdom on earth. But through disobedience, that kingdom had been lost. Firstly, the Assyrians swept away the northern kingdom of Israel, and then, you know, the southern kingdom of Judah were taken into captivity in Babylon. The kingdom was lost through disobedience. And even though the, uh, the Jewish people returned to their homeland, to Israel, they're still not free. They had been subject to the Greek Empire. And now they are under the oppression of the Romans. And the Pharisees argued like this. The kingdom was lost through disobedience. If only all of God's people can be obedient to God's law in detail, perfectly obedient to God's law. Surely the kingdom that was lost through disobedience will be restored. 
God will come in response to our obedience. He'll send his Messiah, his anointed king. He'll set up his kingdom amongst his people. And so they were so keen that every Jewish person should keep the law of God. And they hedged the law around with all sorts of extra commandments of their own to make sure it was kept in every detail. Nicodemus, the Pharisee, comes to the Lord Jesus. He's a member of the Jewish council. He's not just an ordinary, everyday Pharisee. He's a member of the Jewish council. He's a cabinet minister amongst them. And he's a notable teacher in Israel. Jesus recognizes that. He says, you, you a teacher of Israel, don't understand these things? He had witnessed not only the things that Jesus was teaching, but the things Jesus was doing. Healing the sick, restoring those who were disabled, casting out evil spirits. And you could see that God was with this man. Nobody could do these things if he wasn't. But Jesus wasn't like the Pharisees. That was obvious. So he comes to Jesus as a man who is puzzled. And he comes with all sorts of questions on his mind. He's a genuine inquirer. He wants to understand. He wants to know what's going on. And Jesus responds to Nicodemus' puzzlement seems very strange. Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. What Jesus is saying is something like this. You're trying to obey every detail of God's law and get everybody within Judaism to obey every detail of God's law in the hope that God will re-establish his kingdom among you and send his Messiah. But you can't see what's going on right in front of you. You can't see that the kingdom has arrived. That's the meaning of the sick being, uh, being healed and of the lame walking and of demons being cast out. The kingdom is here amongst you. And what's more, you can't see that the king is standing here in front of you. You just haven't got eyes to see it. And as if to prove what Jesus is saying, Nicodemus says, well, how can anybody be born again? They can't go back into their mother's womb and be born a second time, does it make sense? He doesn't understand what Jesus is saying. And Jesus is saying to him and teaches him that what he needs is for the Spirit of God to open his eyes, for him to see what is there in front of him, to see what is going on, 
Jesus expresses surprise that Nicodemus is Israel's teacher, but he just doesn't see that God is now establishing his kingdom amongst his people. And then Jesus goes on to speak to Nicodemus about the cross. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the strange means by which God establishes his kingdom. We all like a coronation, don't we? Looking forward to a coronation? Of course, my wife and I are in a privileged position. We live in Coronation Road. <laughs> We're looking forward to a coronation. Well, the cross was Jesus' coronation. This is the strange way through which God establishes his kingdom. There at the cross, the prince of this world was brought to judgment. He was not just trampled underfoot, but his dominion was taken from him. And through the resurrection, Jesus' resurrection from the dead, he was proclaimed by God to be Lord and Christ, as Paul declares it. He was crowned as Lord over all, and he reigns until every enemy is brought to bow the knee to him. That was what was going on right in front of Nicodemus' eyes, but he couldn't see it. Do you not see, Nicodemus? God's great love can't be confined just to one nation on earth. One little people. God's promise to Abraham that through his descendants all nations will be blessed. See something of the breadth of God's purpose. And don't you understand, Nicodemus, something of the depth of God's purpose? God loves you. And God wants you to see the, and to enter into the joy of the kingdom. Nicodemus needed his eyes opened. He needed to be born again of the Spirit of God. So what's the message of John 3, 1 to 17, and particularly verse 16 for us this morning? You must be born again. Have you come to see 
the reality of what God has done in the Lord Jesus Christ. In a moment, we will be celebrating communion together. And through the bread and the wine, we'll be reminded afresh of Jesus' death upon the cross. And in celebrating it and taking those elements, we say, I recognise that it was for me. I recognise that all that he did was for me. Have you come to understand all of that means? Eyes opened to the greatness of God's love, that God should have loved you so much, that he, the creator of the universe, sent his own son into the world to die in your place, that you might have eternal life. Wonderful truth. Have you come to see it and recognise it? Then come and take the bread and the wine and rejoice in that. But have you begun to see something of Christ's great love for you, God's great love for you in Christ. How are you going to live in response to it as a child of the King and as a member of his kingdom? How are you going to live in response to all that God has done? Will you not love him in return? Will you not love one another? Will you not love a world that does not yet know him? And is full of awkward people and strange people, people like Nicodemus who don't see it yet. Will you not love them and draw them to Christ? And then will you not do you not see what God is doing in the world? Nicodemus couldn't see what was going on right in front of him, that God was at work. Do you see what God is doing in the world? And are you eager to get involved in it? My, in my reading yesterday from the New Testament, I was reading from Acts 11, where the church in Jerusalem, the apostles learned, that uh, in Antioch, Gentiles are coming to faith in Christ. And Gentiles and Jews are meeting together and they think, what on earth is this about? And so they send Barnabas to find out what it's all about. And Barnabas, when he arrives at Antioch, we're told that he saw the grace of God and he was glad. What did Barnabas see? He saw that God was at work. And he went and fetched Paul from Tarsus and he dragged him along and he thrust him into the work. And the two of them worked at teaching those folk there, those new Christian Christians in Antioch, for more than a year. Do you see what God is doing around you? How God is at work establishing his kingdom and I'm eager to join in. To be joined with him in his work and to get on with it with a glad spirit. 
working to establish the kingdom until that day when at last Jesus shall return and the kingdom shall come in all its fullness and the kingdom of this world shall at last be the kingdom of our God and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. We are called to join in the work of God, to see what he has done in Christ, to rejoice in it for ourselves, and to work with God for the establishment of his kingdom and the glory of his name. How are you responding to his call on your life?